If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 632. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. Support the show by going to McClanahan Academy. It's a great website. Got lots of classes there, over 20 available for purchase. That's how you keep this podcast free of charge. Also, click on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Throw a few pennies my way. Click on the shop tab. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. Lots of great ways to support the show financially. You can also support it by rate, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. Let people know you like it. Share this podcast around on social media. Rate it wherever you get your podcasts. Again, rate, review, and subscribe. And, of course, send me those show requests so I can see what you want me to talk about. And I do read those. I may not respond back to you, but I do read them. So I do appreciate it. Well, let's talk about the topic of the day, the last podcast of the week. And it's George Will. And a column that George Will wrote in the Washington Post uh, not too long ago. Let's see. The date was... Uh, let me check the date out here. It was April 27th. So... April 27th, George Will writes a piece entitled, Amend the Constitution to Bar Senators from the Presidency. Now, this might seem like a good thing. I mean, conservatives, and George Will masquerades as one, might say that, uh, well, you know, senators make bad presidents. And uh, we've got examples of that. We've got Joe Biden. We've got, uh, we've got Barack Obama. We've got a couple of senators here just recently that have made a mess of the Constitution. And it seems that uh, we've got a situation where if we could just keep the senators out of the executive office, things would be better. And again, the conservative on the surface says, yeah, yeah, we've, I mean, this, this is what Will is playing into, the historical stupidity of Americans. And of course, when you go back and look at you know, some great American presidents... Um, a lot of them were not senators. I mean, you know, George Washington wasn't a senator, neither was Jefferson, neither was uh, people that would be considered great. Franklin Roosevelt, or I'm not saying these people are great, or Lincoln wasn't a senator. So you go and look at these people and think, yeah, I mean, we need, we need to get the, the political class, the establishment political class out of the business of being president of the United States. Let's get these let's get these people in here that weren't senators. Of course, I wonder what George Will thinks about Donald Trump. He wasn't a senator. We know what he thinks about Donald Trump, but he wasn't a senator. So, I mean, would he like Donald Trump being a? Uh, I'm sure he'd come up with some reason to, to uh, make it. Uh, you know, someone like Donald Trump ineligible to be president. So, who does he really want to be president? Well, he tells you, Mitt Romney. He tells you at the end of the piece, Mitt Romney. That's what he thinks. But of course, Mitt Romney is now a senator. But he thinks Mitt Romney, once you become a senator, you can't, you can't be a president anymore. Well, this is just stupid. This, this whole argument is stupid. But 
I want to go through this piece because of the sheer stupidity and because of some things that he says here that it really comes down to one thing. What George Will doesn't want is the current crop of Republican senators to be eligible to be president of the United States. And he's talking about people like Josh Hawley. He's talking about people like Ted Cruz. But I think that he wouldn't mind, you know, maybe some others being president. He would, again, wouldn't mind Mitt Romney. But he doesn't like certain senators, most notably Josh Hawley, because he mentions him by name. Now, I'm also going to talk about this because it ties into what I talked about yesterday with majoritarian democracy. And so Will says, to conserve, the re- to conserve the reverence, I should say, it needs and deserves, the Constitution should be amended rarely and reluctantly. To conserve the reverence, oh, should be amended rarely and reluctantly. Well, that's not what the founding generation thought about it. Seriously. I mean, they thought amending the Constitution was fine. In fact, they did it 12 times. Think about that. The people that wrote the Constitution, the generation that wrote it, amended it 12 times. It's only been amended 15 times since. So who is really being you know, in, in touch with the founding generation here? Is it George Will or is it the founding generation? Now, we know the first 10 were the Bill of Rights, but they were important. In fact, we wouldn't have got the Constitution without them. And then we have uh, the, the 11th Amendment, which was the State Sovereign Immunity Amendment. I mean, that was very important. In fact, it came on the heels of an egregious Supreme Court decision, and the Congress amended it pretty quickly, and the states ratified it, to ensure that states couldn't be dragged before a federal court unless they chose to do so, unless they chose to be dragged before a federal court. They could just say, we're not going to be here. And then, of course, the 12th Amendment was designed to uh, counteract the problems that arose in the 1800 election. So we know the founding generation believed that it didn't need to be amended reluctantly or even rarely. And of course, one of the amendments that they proposed later became the 27th Amendment to the Constitution. It just didn't get ratified until the 1990s. So uh, the fact is, the founding generation didn't believe the Constitution deserved some type of reverence. They were always talking about ways to improve it or to make government better. And again, even just the, the generation after, you know, John C. Calhoun didn't have some kind of reverence for the Constitution other than he believed in written constitutions, but he thought there needed to be some better check on federal power. It needed to have teeth somewhere. And that, of course, is why I'm doing that, that class on John C. Calhoun. So Will says, there is, however, an amendment that would instantly improve the legislative and executive branches. It would read, no senator or former senator shall be eligible to be president. Now, how is this going to improve the legislative or executive branches? If the senator is the best, if this former senator is the best person to hold the position, well, wouldn't that make sense? You want them in office? I mean, it would seem so to me. And so he says 17 presidents were previously senators. Seven of them, Harding, Truman, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Obama, and Biden, became senators after 1913 when the 17th Amendment took the selection of senators away from state legislatures. So of that list that he gives you there, 17, seven of the 17, Harding, who Ryan Walters, 
I think has done a pretty good job of showing it was not a bad president. Truman, who was a bad president. Kennedy, who was an awful president. Johnson, who was extremely terrible. Nixon, who was awful. Obama and Biden. It seems, again, to the right, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, these presidents are all bad. Look at that. Six of those guys were really awful. But then think about some other people who were also senators who became president, who I can say were some of the best presidents in American history. How about James Monroe in the top? In the top of the list of presidents in American history. John Quincy Adams, not one of my favorite. Uh, but of course, if you strip away, if you have to have a president that's done no wrong, according to the left, it would have to be John Quincy Adams. It would be the only guy. I wrote a piece on this and as a joke not long ago. It would be the only person you could have. Andrew Jackson, again, bad president to me, though he did some good things, said the right things at times, but not necessarily was a great president. In fact, he's one of my nine who screwed up America. Martin Van Buren, great president. Great president. So we wouldn't have had two great presidents if we had an amendment that banned senators from being president. William Henry Harrison, ah, I mean, died. Um, his first inaugural, if you read it, um, it wasn't bad. Now, he's a Whig, so he's going to push for more national power. But overall, I mean, foreign policy wasn't going to be bad. And then, of course, my favorite president, John Tyler, wouldn't have had the best president in American history had we had a ban on senators being president of the United States. How about Franklin Pierce, another one of the top 10 presidents who would not have been president had we had a ban on senators serving as president of the United States. James Buchanan, a vastly underrated president. Vastly underrated. But of course, he wouldn't have been president. Andrew Johnson, vastly underrated. He wouldn't have been president. How about Benjamin Harrison? I mean, Benjamin Harrison has his problems, most notably that he was too tied into the Republican Party. But in terms of power, um, I should say too tied into the uh, the party bosses of the Republican Party. Uh, but in terms of power, he wasn't bad. I mean, he wasn't a horrible president. So here we have a whole bunch of presidents, but actually pretty good, uh, as uh, they were former senators, and they were good. But of course, to George Will, no, no, no. You can't have these guys. They're awful. So, looking at his list some more, or looking at what he says some more, the federal government's growth and the national media's focus on Washington has increased the prominence of senators eager for prominence, although it often is the prominence of a ship's figurehead, uh, decorative, not functional. As president-centric government has waxed, the Senate has waned, becoming increasingly a theater of performance behaviors by senators who are decreasingly interested in legislating and are increasingly preoccupied with using social media for self-promotion. So Will is concerned. I mean, we've taken, first of all, he, he has a nice reference here to the 17th Amendment and how bad it really is because having the states involved in this process was a good function of the states and was the entire design of the Senate. It was going to be the state check on the entire process. And of course, because senators were selected by state legislatures, well then, uh, you have a, a situation where you're not going to have media hounds at all times because the state legislatures get to pick who's there and who's not. They have to appeal to the state legislators. So that is a, I mean, by mentioning that, he's, he's drawing attention to the fact that we've removed this very federal feature of the United States Constitution. And that is a problem. It wouldn't solve everything. To have the state simply choose the senators would not solve everything. But um, he's also concerned about senators being on the hunt for social media likes and clicks 
and retweets and whatever it is. I mean, this is what they're on. This is what to to George Will the problem is. These people being media hounds. Um, and of course, he's not talking about these structural issues of presidential government. You know, why do we have that? Well, because the president has taken on unconstitutional powers, but the Congress has often punted those powers to the president. So senators, in his mind, are basically there to set themselves up to be president. They're becoming. They're in a situation where they're trying to set up their role in government so that they can they can catapult themselves into the presidency. And maybe some of that is actually happening. We'll see. I mean, who are the people that are, uh, you know, the front runners for say the twenty twenty four election cycle for the Republicans? Well, I would say the the biggest front runner is a governor. So would we say that governors shouldn't do this? Right? Governors shouldn't shouldn't uh, have social media access, but you know. Ron DeSantis is probably the the most important frontrunner for the Republicans next to Trump. It's going to be one of those two guys, I think, that gets the nomination. Uh, and how that works out, we'll see. You know, is this DeSantis's time? Um, is Joe Biden going to run again? Probably so. But of course, you know, Will also talks about Kamala Harris, and or other people have talked about Kamala Harris. Will doesn't, but Kamala Harris uh, is also now Vice President of the United States, which I mean, she was. Senators, so that's where the vice president presides over, anyway. So, uh, but she's worthless, too. So he continues, and Jonathan hates recent essay for the Atlantic. Why the past ten years of American life have been uniquely stupid? The New York University social psychologist says social media users by the millions have become comfortable and adept at putting on performances for strangers. So too have many senators. Hate says social media elicits our most moralistic and least reflective selves, fueling the twitchy and explosive spread of anger. The founders feared such incitements long before social media arrived. Now, think about that. What did I just talk about yesterday? It was 1797 and 1798. So they passed legislation. Here's Will railing against social media. Why? Because social media is not kind to George Will. Social media is not kind to people like Jonathan Haidt. Social media is not kind uh, at times to big tech, even though they control it, but the people that run it, it's not kind to Joe Biden. It's not kind to Mitt Romney. And this is where George Will doesn't like these things. Politicians, and especially senators with presidential ambitions and time on their hands, use social media to practice what Alexander Hamilton deplored in Federalist 68 as the little arts of popularity. Such senators, like millions of Americans, use social media to express and encourage anger about this and that. Anger, like other popular pleasures, can be addictive, particularly if it supplies the default vocabulary for social media. So, of course, you've got to dust off Alexander Hamilton in Federalist Number 68. Anytime you can talk about Hamilton, uh, it's a good thing for George Will. It's a good thing for the nationalists, because Hamilton is one of them, right? He's a nationalist. Even in the Federalist, he was much more nationalist than Madison was. But of course, when he goes to Poughkeepsie and has to argue for the ratification of the Constitution, he's not as much of a nationalist anymore. This is the point, right? Hamilton, which Hamilton do you believe? Now, he did tip his hand in the Federalist several times. Of course, at McClanahan Academy, I have a class called Originalist Papers, where I talk about Hamilton quite a bit. I've got a lot of Hamilton in that class. And I talk about where Hamilton was being honest and where he wasn't being honest about what he firmly believed. 
Uh, Federalist 68 is uh, an interesting essay, and it's an interesting essay because in this particular essay, Hamilton does rail against certain aspects of democracy. And he hoped that the Constitution would tamp down some of the democratic tendencies of Americans. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But um, to say that you know, we've got a situation here where we've got these senators simply using social media, I mean, this, is, this could be troubling because the senators don't represent states anymore. They represent uh, just the United States. I mean, this is, this is it. They don't, we have national senators now. We have 100 senators. We might as well just have a national plebiscite and just pick the, I mean, the top 100 get to sit in the Senate. I mean, here are the 100 people. Vote. Whoever gets the top 100 votes goes to the Senate. I wonder what would happen if we did that. That would be really interesting, in fact. If you just put a, however many people wanted to be in the Senate on a ballot, 300 people, 500 people, and the top 100 got to serve in the Senate. I wonder sometimes if someone like Nancy Pelosi would even make it. Probably not. I mean, it would be interesting how that would shake out. Uh, you know, or someone like, um, you know, someone like Mitch McConnell, would he make it? Or someone like Harry Reid, would he make it? I mean, I know these people, some of these, Pelosi's not in the Senate, of course, and uh, Reid's not in the Senate, but I wonder if some of these people would have enough, or if Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would get it, or, you know, someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, what would happen if they just stuck their name out there and said, here, I'm running for Senate. I don't have to run in the state I'm in. I can just, you could have, you know, 100 senators from California. You could have 100 senators from New York. I mean, what would happen there? Because essentially, this is what we have. When you have, you know, senatorial elections and somebody's running in Massachusetts, but you've got money coming in from Texas in that election, you've taken away the entire point of the Senate, wouldn't it? I mean, so what's the point of having two senators for every state anymore? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense when you've nationalized the entire process anyways. Today, the gruesome possibility of a 2024 Biden-Trump rematch underscores a Hamiltonian misjudgment. He said in Federal 68 that there is a constant probability of presidents preeminent for ability and virtue. Banning senators from the presidency would increase the probability of having senators who are interested in being senators. It would increase the probability of avoiding presidents who have never run anything larger than a Senate office, who have confused striking poses in the Capitol on Twitter with governing, who have delegated legislative powers to the executive, for example, who have passed uh, sentiment affirmations masquerading as laws. Hooray for education and the environment. The executive branch shall fill in the details. So he's saying, look, I mean, if, the pres- if they, can't, they can't be out there just simply working their social media so they can be president, look at all the bad things senators have done. I mean, there's no question about this. The Senate has been awful for the most part. The United States government has been awful. But again, it's the symptom of the disease, which is majoritarian democracy really is a symptom of that. There needs to be some type of check on these things, and it needs to come from other avenues besides the general government itself. It needs to come from the states or some type of other check. But I think the states are the most logical location for that. And the states were supposed to be the fourth leg of the stool, right? I mean, if you think about the United States government, states being the fourth leg made the most sense. And he continues, and who have been comfortable running the government on continuing resolutions, at least funding levels, because Congress is incapable of budgeting? There have been 128 CRs in the previous 25 fiscal years, 41 since 2012. Why look for presidents among senators who have made irresponsibility routine? 
The 328 senators of the previous 50 years have illustrated the tyranny of the bell-shaped curve. A few of them dreadful, a few excellent, most mediocre. Although Josh Hawley, Missouri's freshman Republican, might not be worse than all the other 327, he exemplifies the worst about would-be presidents incubated in the Senate. Arriving there in January 2019, he hit the ground running, away from the Senate. 24 months later, he was the principal catalyst of the attempted nullification of the presidential election preceding the one that he hopes will elevate him. Now think about what Will just did there. He points out Hawley, and then he has a problem with what happened in 2020. This is sedition, right? To George Will, he firmly believes it was sedition. I'm almost, I can almost guarantee that. He believes it's sedition. He would side with the Alien Sedition Acts, and he would want to get rid of someone like Josh Hawley. Nimbly clamoring aboard every passing bandwagon that can carry him to the Fox News green room, he treats the Senate as a mere stepping stone for his ascent to an office commensurate with his estimate with his estimate of his talents. The constitutional equilibrium of checks and balances depends on a rivalrous relationship between the executive branch and houses of Congress that are mutually jealous of their powers. But see, this is the problem. It will never be that way, majoritarian government. It can't be that way. It can't at all, because you're just going to have factions clamoring for powers. And the checks and balances that everyone talks about are no longer going to be checks and balances, because you're going to see the party in power continually punt authority to the presidency because that works best for them. It's going to result in an elected monarchy. It always will, because if you have real opposition, that creates a problem with power. You don't want that. You want to make sure that your guys have all the power they can have because when you're in power, you get to control everything if you have singular authority. The Congress is a block to that. And so the party in power will always try to make sure that their guy in power has enough. And this is exactly what we're seeing in Washington, D.C. It's what we've seen for years. The interests of the man must be connected with the constitutional rights of the place. And government will be controlled by this policy of supplying by opposite and rival interests the, def the defect of better motives. This is what James Madison had to say in Federalist 51. So, again, so what, right? So what what Madison and Hamilton had to say? Nobody even read these things. Except George Will, and now we all we have to, you know, to the Federalist, spread some holy water on the Federalist Papers, uh, you know, shrine the Constitution, uh, you know, genuflect as we pass by. Uh, look, the Constitution has some really good things in it, but I think there's better things that could come out of that. And there should be some things we should be looking at doing. The Constitution needed teeth in the Tenth Amendment. The Constitution has some structural defects. That's why I've said before that the Confederate Constitution and some of the things, some of the changes they made were far superior to the U.S. Constitution because they had time. They had 80 years to look at it and say, you know, these things are really problematic in the U.S. Constitution. Let's get rid of that stuff. Because we're interested in, in thwarting heavily centralized power. This institutional archi architecture has, however, been largely, uh, uh, largely um, increased by party loyalties. Congressional members of the president's party believe, as his subservient teammates behave. I'm sorry, as his subservient teammates, members of the opposing party act as reflexive opposers. This changes the role of the House, whose members are generally not so telegenic and are more regimented less than it does the role of the Senate, which degenerates into an arena of gestures, hence an incubator of would-be presidents. So again, his critique of the Senate, I think, is okay. goes back to the removal of the 17th Amendment. I mean, I think there's something to this. 
but it's more of an indictment on our majoritarian system than on the Senate itself. And banning senators is not going to do anything to change that. The only thing that will change it is if you really have some type of outside check on the power of the central government, and that has to be the states. Then he concludes, One of today's exemplary senators, Mitt Romney, surely as such partly because his presidential ambitions retired, he nevertheless wants to be a senator. Well, I think Mitt Romney would still love to be president of the United States. Uh, and he only wants to be a senator because that's all he could get. right? He, that's all he could get. And uh, Mitt Romney is, I mean, to me, that would be why you don't want somebody a senator being president of the United States. Or Kamala Harris. Not Josh Hawley, but Mitt Romney. Were all persons with presidential ambitions de uh, deterred from becoming senators, this probably would improve the uh, caliber of senators and of presidents and the equilibrium between the political branches. I doubt that. But this is just, I mean, George Will spitballing here. Well, how can we change this problem? we got to get rid of this idea that senators be on president. Well, that we can stop Josh Hawley. We can stop Ted Cruz. We can stop Rand Paul. We can stop all these people. We just simply get on the media. So George Will is full of it most of the time, and I think this is another example of that. All right. Hope you enjoyed this week of the Brian McClanahan Show. If you want me for a fifth time, just go over to abbevilleinstitute.org. Get the podcast there. It's all things Southern. I'll see you next week in the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then. <laughs>